everybody. You are listening to Limited Playtime, the board game podcast where we bring you board game reviews in 30 minutes or less. Or the next episode is free. That's right. I am Kyle Bolin. And I'm Jason Cavallari. Today we are talking about Fate of the Elder Gods. This is a game... The alternate name of the podcast. This is a game. This is a game <laughs> uh, that is for one to four players. It runs between 30 and 90 minutes, and it is designed by Christopher Kirkman, Richard Launius, and Daryl Lauder, and is published by the Fabled Nexus imprint of Greater Than Games. So that's the same publishing studio that brought you the Sentinels of the Multiverse card game. Uh, the Fabled Nexus uh, imprint has also recently done Spirit Island, which is phenomenal. Oh, I didn't know they did Spirit Island. Yeah, yeah, they did. Remember, we saw this game at Gen Con like two years yeah. ago when we went to go do the Spirit Island demo prior to it uh, releasing. Yeah. Remember, we saw it in the same room there? Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And this game is a, I guess, you know, like trying to decide how to describe this game is a bit of a challenge because it's a bit of a strange thing. But it, at its heart, it is a worker placement game. Uh, Yeah. It is. Yeah. Yeah. And there's an, it's sort of mashed together with like what you call the conversion games. Well, because you, you have a resource, the, the cultists, and then you're supposed to get them to a certain place and then, and then use them to turn them into victory points, essentially. Yeah. I think when I described the conversion game, I was thinking more along the lines of there being multiple steps of converting things into other things to eventually get them into something valuable. Like a ladder. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, like Scoville and uh, um, I think the other example I used was Splendor because you're you're getting, mm-hmm. you know, certain coins down at the bottom. And maybe that one's not as, as good of an example. But um, anyway, yeah, I mean, this is this is a game where you are uh, using worker placement to basically move or get resources being your cultists, right, or spells right. or things like right. that. And then using the actions to then turn those resources into what's essentially victory points in this game. Yeah. So yeah. the the theme of the game is uh, basically you're kind of the head of a, a cult. All, all the players are head of their individual cults and you each worship an individual uh, elder god from the Lovecraftian Yep. We're mythos. talking about Cthulhu again, everybody. I love tentacles. Yeah. So uh, uh, most of the games we've played that we're going to be talking about are from Jason's collection. And he happens to have a very strong Cthulhu collection in his closet. <laughs> right. I'm a, I'm a Lovecraft fanboy, uh, mm-hmm. although not... Not really of the actual dude, because he was a horrible racist, and his writings aren't all that intriguing, but they make some good games out of him. Yeah, his... Uh, <laughs> the the mythos, I think, spawned... Uh, I, I think some of the people that wrote in his, like, in the mythos uh, after he was done, or parallel to him or whatever uh probably had more interesting takes on it than than what he wrote i I have read some actual lovecraft and a lot of it is very dry and plotting and boring it is um but yeah some of the stuff Uh, but it it gives us tentacle monsters from outer space so it does yeah absolutely (laughs) so yeah so you're the head of your uh your cult or whatever and your goal is essentially to summon your elder god before any of the other cults can or Um, (laughs) or you can also uh, you can also sabotage them by yeah by invading them with a army of Carmen San Diego's and <laughs> or quote unquote investigators. Oh yeah, I guess that's what they call them. Right. And having them ruin their their summoning track uh, to the point where basically they are it, it, there's there's two 
uh, there's two end conditions for the game. One is that somebody summons their great old one by getting the correct number of summoning points, right? Yeah. Uh, and then the other way is somebody basically goes around the other way on their victory track with um, basically like there's a token called an Elder Sign token that is kind of the opposite of the 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 points that you're getting to try to get the the positive victory condition and those go around in the opposite direction on this track that you're keeping track of the stuff on and if yep. that reaches the end of the track then that person loses the game and mm-hmm. then you take a look at the remaining players and whoever has the fewest number of those elder sign tokens is the winner yep yep um and so the the way that you do this the way that you acquire these uh the the summoning points or whatever they're called um, is basically by sacrificing cultists into the abyss, <laughs> yep. uh, which is the. I mean, there are other ways to do it, but that's sort of the main the main one. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. There's kind of a loop to the game, um, it, which yeah. There's there's so the, looking at the game, there is a game board. You know, big surprise, which and is beautiful. By the it's, way, it's a nice game board. You know what? If we want to talk about just the beauty of the game, like the components are great. Like yeah. the 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 component quality on the pieces is really good the the board is really good the art is really beautiful the art on all the different item cards is really good uh i i, I it's a very colorful game and it's colors that i can see which makes me happy um <laughs> the dice are really cool they they're custom dice that have all kinds of weird iconography that you know kind of goes along with the whole mythos vibe uh and and they don't just look like you know some cheap posted on or pasted on sort of thing mm-hmm. um the the reference cards are really nice there's a lot there's a lot to the components that i that i really like i think the components are phenomenal in this game but yeah what were we talking about the board right the board is yeah, the a board. circle right it's basically a circle uh that okay so if you imagined a pizza that has six slices on it right mm-hmm. and then you took a round cutter and just cut out the center of the pizza Mm-hmm. And instead of now having the tips of the six pizza slices there, you had a swirly whirlpool, right? Yes, <laughs> and that is the abyss. That is the game board uh, in a nutshell, basically. And each one of the slices of pizza is a different location in Arkham or whatever location in the mythos we're talking about here. And each one is basically a spot for worker placement. So each one has an action and then also a control action which is if your cult happens to have the most people there and also more than three or three or more then you have control of that location and you can use the second optional ability as well as the primary ability right and the the individual actions are sort of uh you know i i don't want to say basic but like things you might come to expect so like yeah you know you go to the library to get uh to get an item from the item deck it's wasn't that spells or no 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 there's artifacts artifacts um, the spell cards you just draw at the end of your turn. No, there's somewhere where you can go to get more spells, I'm pretty sure. And mm. isn't the museum where you go to get artifacts? Yeah. Well, I'm just sort of spitballing here because it's been a while since we uh, played it. But... You're just making stuff up. <laughs> no, Kyle, I'm not making it up. It's spitballing. Mm-hmm. Um, but in, I, in any event, like you go to one of these locations and you know each one has something to do with a different game mechanic. So there's you know one to get item cards there's one to like initiate raids on other players uh, Mm -hmm. cult lodges Um, and then there's the the main one which is where you put cultists in order to try and sacrifice them to the abyss Uh, the problem is that um, the way that you can move cultists to the different locations is entirely dictated by the spell cards that you have in your hand so each location is indicated by um, I forget what they call them some kind of oh it's an astral symbol yeah 
Um, and, uh, the backs of the cards, uh, the spell cards, each one has a, has a symbol on it. And so in order to use a location's ability and place a cultist in it, you have to, uh, put down one of the spell cards, uh, face down, uh, on the current location of the fate piece, which is a big Cthulhu monster, which basically means that whatever the last action was that was taken by the player before you, you put the card down on that location. Yep. And then you can move, uh, you move the fate piece to the location that you have selected, and then you can put a cultist there and take, uh, take the action and the control action if you want. Yeah, I think uh, this is probably like one of those things that's really hard to visualize if you're not looking at the board. Um, but yeah, one of the astral symbols matches each one of the pizza slices, and so you put the card down that has the symbol that you of the location you want to go to behind the symbol of or the cards that exist on the the location that was just currently taken or previously yes. taken by the player before you. So what um, you end up with is basically a, a big column of cards uh, yeah. that have different symbols on them, um, called the astral column. Um, which has its own purpose, which we'll talk about in a minute. But, uh, mm-hmm. so the, 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 the major, um, I guess, uh, monkey wrench here in, uh, trying to get the cultists into the abyss, um, is that the only location that doesn't have a corresponding astral symbol is the location you need to put cultists before you can sacrifice them. The only way you can get cultists there is through a special object called a gate card. Or by um, playing two matching cards, or by playing two one. matching cards. Yeah. So it's, um, but the cards themselves are also a resource. So you kind of have to yeah. measure whether or not it's worth putting down, essentially discarding two cards uh, to move a cultist there when the abilities on those cards might actually come in useful later. Yeah. Yeah, and because of that, I found myself playing the game by just going through this loop of, like, three locations and ignoring the other three. Because I would go yeah. to the location that got me the wild card, I would go to the location that allowed me to move the cultists around, and then I would go to the location that allowed me to then sacrifice those cultists for points. And right. for, like, a good half the game or so, all I did was do that loop. Yeah, and I think once we... So we played this, the two of us and and my husband, Brian. I think once we recognized that that was sort of, like, the main machine (laughs) that that happened that we all kept trying to do that but the problem was then that we were all competing for the same different actions and running up against each other constantly yeah i mean Uh, it's it's not like it's not the type of game where work with worker placement where an action becomes unavailable to everybody else. The only action that's really unavailable after uh, somebody else's turn is the action they just took. So in a three player game, you and I could have always taken the same action or, you know, like we could have done some sort of leapfrogging thing where you took the action Brian just took and I take the action that you just took, you know, and so on and so on. Um, but, you know, I think what we were coming down to was luck because well because yeah because it is dependent on the cards that you have so if you don't have the astral symbol in your hand for the location that you want to go to you're kind of screwed also dice because when you want to sacrifice cultists you have to roll dice Mm -hmm. and you only successfully sacrifice them on certain dice rolls (laughs) right yeah um and so wily cultists get themselves off the chopping block sometimes (laughs) the dice saved me thank god Uh thank thank yog sothoth um yeah, so I, I, what I found myself doing most of the time was wishing I had certain cards so I could do the thing that I actually wanted to do instead of settling for 
you know, a second or third tier choice. Mm -hmm. Uh, So which resulted usually in me using the location where I could initiate raids on other players' lodges, uh, which then tried to gum up the works for you guys. So I remember when we were discussing the way the game went afterwards, I remember making a point that we didn't do that enough because um, we were kind of ignoring the fact that, and I don't even think it got mentioned until halfway through the game, that that was another way to end the game was, um, you know, by, by forcing that loss condition there. And so it wasn't apparent until the end of the game and even kind of talking about it afterwards that uh, we could have also circumvented that that static loop of just going through those three locations by focusing on strategies that also uh, attacked the other players more. Like we were basically doing sort of like a Agricola style competitive solitaire game for a long time. And then it wasn't towards like the middle or the end that we started doing more stuff that interfered with each other on purpose. Um, Yeah. Although you and Brian both started interfering with me immediately, and I got all uh, sore about it and started saving up curses and stuff to play on people that messed with that's, me next. That's so. right, you did, yeah. <laughs> I started playing with great retribution. I know, you were like, I was a nice guy until now. Yeah, I was playing nice, and then you guys were both mean to me, and I decided I was going to start playing playing tough. Um, but, but you know, it, it really wasn't until the middle or the end of the game that we started realizing that we weren't necessarily playing it uh the way that it's intended to play mm-hmm. um, with all of the tools at our disposal. We were really just focusing on half of them. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. And I, and I think uh, besides even the initiating raids and using the investigators offensively, um, I think some of the other locations I didn't sort of really recognize what their worth was mm-hmm. um, because I, the, the mechanic of the game wasn't automatically sort of apparent to me aside from, the direct path of get a cultist here so you can try and sacrifice it to get points. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, so, I mean, I remember I was using the library quite a bit, uh, which is the one where you draw the three spell cards. Um, no, and you can the artifacts. Spell for free. Nope, the artifacts are at the museum. Oh, yeah, you're right. Sorry, I keep missing yeah, those two. That's, yeah, that's what I said at the beginning when I said you were just making stuff up. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, and Brian was using the museum. You know, like, he was using that to get some artifacts. And they seemed, like, a little helpful, but it, it kind of seemed to me like the museum was underpowered compared to everything else like it was probably the least useful of all the things we were doing Mm -hmm. um probably followed by the library and then probably followed by the streets of arkham which were the ones where you move the investigators into people's lodges and then instigate raids and things like that so i mean like the half of the game that we were ignoring it really did seem like even given the 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 stuff that we were ignoring and, and the strategies that we could have been using to um, you know, possibly end the game the other way, you know, by by uh, completing all of the different Elder Seals on somebody's track that right. we weren't... It still seemed like those were a little underpowered compared to the the other thing, that it was a little yeah. harder to rack up stuff. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I think you're right. I mean, it, uh, it's sort of... The, the use of those things just sort of paled in comparison to yeah. the outright usefulness of the other ones. Yeah. Um, oh, the other thing that we haven't really talked about is the actual spell cards. Now, we talked about them as uh, for the use of the astral symbols on yeah, the back. For taking your um, actions, right. Yeah, yeah. But you also um, can use the actual abilities on the cards, provided that you can uh, ready the spells. So at the end of your turn, um, you have a chance to ready uh, spells in your hand. You can't cast them directly from your hand. They have to be readied first, which means that you have to use the astral symbols in an astral column that's already uh, somewhere in the playing area so um, did you realize the symbols that are on the spell <laughs> jason did you realize we played it wrong uh how so so you're not allowed to just choose any column you have to use the column that was the one you just played 
Oh, really? Yeah. I rereading the rule book, I realized that that's explicitly stated in there that the only column you can use is the one that you just took the action of. And so we were picking any column on the board and playing that way. Uh, which I don't oh God, know how that, that seems even worse. I know, right? I mean, one of the issues that we had with this game, one of the complaints we had was that it just seemed like it moved so slow. And right, and part of the thing that was annoying and, and keeping it from moving along for me was I could never find the right combination of... <laughs> of symbols in an astral column to use some of the spells that I wanted to use. So now you're yeah. telling me that we could only use the one that was just Well, so there's one used. other catch here that I think maybe I can't remember us doing this, so correct me if I'm wrong, but the other thing is that you can use the symbols of the spells you have readied in front oh, of yeah, you. Oh yeah, no, we did that. Did we do that? Yeah. Okay. Um so I mean if if you think about that, I mean like you could have up to three different symbols ready in front of you and there's only six symbols in the game, right? So, you know, you really only need, you know, like, you know, one to two other symbols in that column at most to ready a spell. So it's not as bad as it seems, I don't think. Um but but definitely we were playing it wrong and I, I, I can't imagine that it would have you know, it had to affect the game in a way where it sped sped it up rather than slowing it down. Right, yeah. And I as I recall, that was sort of our one of our major complaints about the thing is that the game. So the box says it's supposed to last thirty to ninety minutes, and you know, granted that this was our first time playing the thing, and obviously we missed some of the rules, but um, it doesn't seem like this game would end anywhere near you know the stated times that that is. So, I can't imagine yeah. a game lasting thirty minutes. That well, seems well, insane. I, I think that that's got to be for a solo game. Uh, you know, it, it lists the player count as one to four players. I believe I said, mm-hmm. uh, and and, and I'm, I'm guessing it's one of those things where it's like thirty minutes per player. Oh, I see. And I mean, you know, like that would imply that we would have had an hour and a half game, which we didn't. I mean, it was no. probably two to two and a half hours. Um, but I I think that that was probably more to do with the fact that we didn't know the strategy. Um, mm. right off the bat or the strategies. Right. Yeah. And so we were really sticking to the one and, and, and that wasn't, that wasn't working very quickly. Also, mm. we kept interfering with each other in the middle and things started to slow down. I remember towards the end of the game, I was just like, I'm not going to interfere with Brian anymore. He's the closest to winning and I just want the game to end. So I <laughs> was explicitly stating that and was trying not to do anything that would prevent him from reaching the victory goal <laughs> yeah, please just let it end yeah I, and the, the weird thing was i i honestly like the mechanics in this game i mean it has uh yeah, they're really innovative yeah I, I i think that it has interesting mechanics it just seems like it's balanced poorly or something like you're, yeah. you're not making progress fast enough um and and I know that we've already mentioned that that might have been because of us playing poorly, but I, I think that, you know, even when we play, you know, the limited playtime, the podcast is about us having limited numbers of plays with these games. And mm-hmm. basically, like, it's 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 a podcast that is about, in, in one way, the importance of first impressions. Yeah. And this game has definitely a mixed first impression because of that because because if i sit down and play a game and the strategy doesn't become apparent by the early like the mid part of the early game you know definitely by the mid game Mm -hmm. um i think that's a problem with the game more so often than it is with us right uh and and this one it, it definitely didn't it definitely wasn't apparent right at the beginning what we should be doing all the time just what we should be doing you know when things were optimal and that yeah. meant the game moved slower than it's intended to. And that meant that we got bored playing it or maybe not bored, but uh, tired of playing it. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it was outlasting our our endurance, I think. 
Yeah, and, and, it, and it starts to feel a little bit samey after a while. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a game where, you know, there's only six actions that you can really take, and you can try to optimize those actions by having control or getting temporary control, which is something you do with a die roll. Um, but, you know, still, it's just six things that you're choosing from each time. And, yeah. and there's not a whole lot else going on. You know, like other games that have very limited uh, actions like that, like something like Scythe has four actions, five if you get a factory card. But there's a lot more stuff going on on the board. You know, there's still, other than just the worker placement, there's also the, the area control part of the game that you're playing as well. So mm-hmm. there's more stuff going on to keep you engaged. With this, it's just that worker placement. And after... Yeah two hours six actions of just going through these loops man it starts to get old well we were even starting at one point to just like we were just going through our turns step by step like okay i play the card i move the fate piece i add a cultist i put some investigators on it then i do the action and then we we were literally just like like we were school children like reciting you know instructions yeah very rote very rote (laughs) yeah Um, very much so yeah, so one of the things we haven't mentioned yet is there's a couple other ways that you can interfere with people, and one of those is curses. Um, I, this is my favorite part of the game, It is the way. probably the best thing about the game is the curses. Yeah. So there's different ways where a player can become cursed. And what happens when somebody is cursed is there is a curse deck, and the player to the left or right, I don't remember which, but the, uh, the player next to them grabs uh, the card off the top of the curse deck, and there's a condition under which they will reveal that curse deck. It might be like, you know, the player goes to the streets of Arkham, you know, something like that. Like there's a there's a conditional situation that you're looking for and you hold on to that curse card until that other player meets that condition and then you reveal it on them. So yeah, you don't you know like when it's going it to happen. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so there's this anxiety about like the three curse cards that Brian's holding that are going to affect me at some point. I don't know when it's going to be. I don't know what it's going to be, but I know something bad is coming. <laughs> <laughs> and it's even worse because he takes particular glee in, oh, in yeah, reveal, no. <laughs> revealing the bad stuff that's about yeah. to be falling. <laughs> yeah, he's, he definitely likes these games where you get to be a jerk to people. He's, oh, he's yeah, really in, into that. Um, so yeah, like that, that I think is, is one of the coolest things about this game. It's one of those things that I don't think is very prevalent in other games. I can't think of another game that does anything quite like that where you've got uh, a secret trap that you're holding for somebody so, other than maybe, maybe like descent I, I or something like that but in uh the original dungeon quest and the expansion uh catacombs there's yeah. a de- uh, deck called the amulets mm-hmm. so as you're moving through the dungeon and you're finding treasure you could possibly find an amulet and when you find one you don't actually pick it up uh the person next to you picks it up and you decide whether or not you want to actually put it on Mm-hmm. Uh, at which point the person reads the card and they read the trigger condition and then they keep it secret until that trigger condition is met. Um, the difference being that it could either help you or harm you. Sure. I believe okay. my favorite one was the one that like kills you outright as soon as well, you put it on. <laughs> you know what? We did find out towards the end of the game there was a positive curse that we found and we were all like, whoa, we didn't know there could be a good effect in that deck. Yeah. And Brian was just like, yeah, yeah, there is, you know, and <laughs> um, yeah, I guess, you know, another thing we haven't mentioned is that each cult has their own dark gift from their old one that affects things like Brian's uh, character allowed him to put these like frost uh, frost tokens down. Yeah, on. it was like a blizzard or something. Yeah, was that what was the effect of that? Did it cause us to get cursed, or did it did it make the it did something when you went to that to that location that he placed it right. on? I believe it might have cursed us or something like that. Yeah, I don't um, remember exactly. Yeah, I don't remember either. Um, I think mine made it easier to move cultists around or sacrifice them or something like that. Yeah, um, and my, mine my, had um, mine had something to do with spells readying spells. It made it yeah. easier to ready them. 
Yeah. So there's there's differences in the factions. Um, the spells can change things up a bit where you're doing different things turn to turn and keep things fresh. But I did start to see a lot of the same spells over and over again. So it yeah. kind of felt like there wasn't enough variety in the spell deck to me. Yeah, that's absolutely true. I yeah. kept I kept like drawing the same ones all the time. Yeah, me too. And other than that, you're just kind of doing the six actions on the board. So. I, you know, like there's items in the artifact deck. These are items that can basically let you equip up to two or three of them. Two. I think, uh, I think there's two in the museum and then I think you can equip up to three maybe. Um, I could be wrong about that, but, uh, you know, and, and those just, you know, they, they kind of modify things like a persistent spell does, uh, or would, but that's kind of it to the game really. I mean, like you're, you're either trying to achieve that win condition by creating, summoning, moving around and then sacrificing cultists, or you are creating, summoning and moving around investigators and then instigating <laughs> raids on people to try to create the opposite, uh, effect and, and to end the game that way. Yeah. Um, and that's that's kind of fate of the elder gods. Yeah, I mean, I think the main interest in the game and the thing that sets it apart is that the mechanics of doing these things are sort of sort of unique and, and complicated. Um, but I think the the they're not necessarily intuitive, which doesn't help very much with the length of the game. Yeah. Um, and uh, although you know, once you get the hang of it, it's kind of interesting. It's still yeah, just sort of like the you know the the gravy on a. Yeah, bland it, set of potatoes. It's weird. I feel like I'm coming off kind of bland on it, like, but I do remember enjoying the base mechanics of it. Maybe it's just because I like worker placement games, but um, you know, and it's a worker placement game that doesn't it doesn't preclude you from taking most actions because it's not like the actions fill up. It's only the previous one that you can't take. Um, mm-hmm. So there's always five actions you can choose from, but still, it was a little slow. It could have been faster. I think if this game was sped up, I'd be a lot more excited about it. Um, yeah. And and maybe there's some way to do that. Maybe there's some house ruling, or maybe just you know there like, is an expansion out yeah. for it. Um, but I which I have, but I haven't actually looked at it, so I don't know what it really does to the yeah, to the that game. Would, that would be interesting to know, but I guess we'll never ever record about that because I <laughs> don't know that we're going to come back to this. Um, <laughs> so anyway, I mean, we're almost at that 30-minute mark, so we got to be careful here. Uh, right, but right. Jason, Jason, uh, final thoughts on this. Like, how much do you think you enjoy this game? Um, I think I enjoyed it enough to at least give it another shot. Yeah, that's kind of how I feel, too. I wouldn't go out and buy it um, since you already own it. You know, it's not one of those mm-hmm. games that I feel like I came home dying to get like I did with a different game. And I did immediately buy a version of that game. <laughs> and I'll uh, I'll just let us get back to that on another episode. But this one, I, I think that I would be happy to play again and maybe even interested in playing again, but not necessarily dying to play again or definitely not needing to go out and purchase my own copy. So, yeah. Yeah, but there's a lot to like in this game. There's a lot of potential in this game. Just maybe it falls a little bit short of that potential. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Yep, cool. Alrighty, next time on Limited Play Time, we are going to be talking about Blood Rage. Vikings! Yeah, um, the Ragnarok game where Vikings kill each other and die and all of that is good for you <laughs> as the player. And it's all good. Yup, that's right. Okay, everybody. Thanks for listening to Limited Playtime. We will see you in one... Oh, wait, no. We need to do the uh, the, the the social media information, how to get a hold oh, of us. Oh, that's right. That's right. So if you're interested in getting in contact with us, uh, you can reach us through email, which is lptthepodcast, all one word, at gmail.com, or you can uh, tweet at us uh, at Limited Playtime. 
Yes. Or go to the website. Uh, we are currently hosted on theamazer.com. That's right. If you also go to limitedplaytime.com, it will redirect there. So feel free to use our actual name. All right, everybody. That's going to do it for real. We will see you in one week. Thanks a lot. Bye. Bye. Bye.